Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. Welcome to it. It's Progress After Dark here on Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. So happy to be with you for the next three hours with some of our favorite regulars. From South Carolina, our producer Thea Harper is going to be joining us later on for another edition of the Minority Report. She joins us from Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. we got a great one tonight. Professor Corey Brettschneider is going to be with us to talk, well, uh, about everything, but all about the rank fuckery going on with the U.S. Supreme Court and Clarence Thomas, and so much more. Also, Dr. Jason uh, Nichols from the University of Maryland is going to join us later on to talk about, well, Feinstein and uh, Bud Light. (laughs) And it's been a crazy day. A six-week abortion ban has easily passed through both sides of the Florida State House, and it's going to Ron DeSantis's desk. Ron DeSantis is going to New Hampshire tomorrow. These two events are not unrelated, but here's the bet. Is Ron DeSantis going to sign his six-week abortion ban on TV in front of the cameras? Or will he not do it because he knows it's not going to help him win the presidency? Because let's just say Tim Scott is showing very actively, and we'll play the tape later, about uh, how well the Republicans are doing now that they finally killed Roe v. Wade. A Fifth Circuit Court ruling says a total ban on the abortion drug Mifepristone but drastically restricts availability. It's not going to be available after six weeks and only available by a mail. Fort Lauderdale is soaked and reeling a day after a stalled superstorm dumped 26 inches of rain on the metro, 26 inches of rain on the metro area. And what's Governor Ron DeSantis doing? He's going to New Hampshire. Uh, Insane. Uh, San Francisco police arrested a tech executive in connection with the fatal stabbing of Bob Lee, the founder of Cash App. And uh, the Justice Department, well, they're going to go to the Supreme Court to intervene on the abortion pill. We'll see how that all plays out. But of course, the real news today is all about the arrest in the Pentagon leak case. Let's talk about it. I promise from my heart, we will try very hard this evening to not talk about the Dalai Lama too much. I know we're all grossed out. We're doing our best. It's it's we're all triggered. Let's do a show. The FBI uh, you probably heard by now, arrested uh, Jack Teixeira. He's 21. Uh, he's single ladies, Air National Guardsmen. Uh, this is part of their investigation into the leak of the top secret documents revealing Ukraine war secrets and how America spies on all of our allies, which our allies, I think, already know. But he was arrested today in connection with the leaking of these documents that were posted online. Now, he's described 
as a lonely young man and big gun fan who was part of a chat room of about two dozen people on Discord, which is the social media platform popular with gamers. Chris has an account on there as well. I think Chris was part of the same room. They share a love of guns and military gear and racist memes, according to the uh, the leaker, a friend of the leaker. That sounds like you, Chris. Guns, military gear, racist memes, talking with your dude bros online all day. I, I think that's you. Um, Attorney General S- Merrick Garland. Snap or cry. There you go. Uh, Here's Attorney General Merrick Garland announcing the arrest of a suspect in the leak of hundreds of classified documents. And keep in mind, sometimes when someone steals hundreds of classified documents, they're capable of arresting that person before the week's over. Give a listen. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention and transmission of classified national defense information. Teixeira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Teixeira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. I want to thank the FBI, Justice Department prosecutors, and our colleagues at the Department of Defense for their diligent work on this case. This investigation is ongoing. We will share more information at the appropriate time. You got that? Sometimes they can arrest you for it. Now, he's going to be charged with, you ready? The unauthorized removal of classified national defense information. And he's going to have an initial court appearance in Massachusetts. Now, the documents had many revelations about our government's efforts to spy on our opponents and our allies. There was a lot of sensitive intel about the war in Ukraine. And this guy just leaked it to his bros in his gamer chat room. Yeah. He oversaw this private online group called Thug Shaker Central. Thug Shaker Central, where about 20 to 30 people, mostly young men and young male teens, came together. This is in the words of the New York Times. Over a shared love of guns, racist online memes, and video games. You'd lean in, right, and say, wait, racist online memes? And he's in the military? What? No, that's the last time it's mentioned. But um, (laughs) about half a dozen FBI agents pushed into his residence today. You may have seen the really striking uh, video shot from helicopter. This began a few months ago. You know, it's not like this just came out. A few months ago, someone in this group uploaded hundreds of pages of American intelligence briefings into their chat room and began lecturing all the other dude bros. And again, these guys spent a lot of time together virtually during COVID, but saying you guys have to be more involved in world events. So it's a lot of questions. And one of them is, how does a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman have access to such highly sensitive briefings? We haven't been told that yet. I mean, a lot of officials in the government with security clearance have these documents through daily emails. Is it possible that one of those emails might have been accidentally forwarded to somebody else? His mother was speaking to the press today, and she said he's been working overnight shifts at the base on Cape Cod. She said he had just changed his phone number. We're still just beginning to learn details about this young man. Doesn't seem like he was a whistleblower. And we'll get to that because it's very important in terms of the propaganda you're going to be hearing from the right wing in the next couple of weeks. Here is Defense Department spokesperson General Pat Ryder giving his assessment of the leak and how it's affecting ongoing intelligence. We continue to review a variety of factors uh, as it relates to safeguarding classified materials. This includes examining uh, and updating distribution lists, assessing how and where intelligence products are shared, uh, and a variety of other steps. Um, I would say, though, that it is is important to understand uh, that we do have stringent guidelines in place for safeguarding classified and sensitive information. This was a deliberate criminal act a violation of those guidelines. Uh, And so, again, I think that's important to understand. Now, we will continue to do everything we can to ensure that that people who have a need to know uh, when it comes to this kind of information have access to that. Um, We're always going to learn from every situation. Um, But again, um, this is something that we'll continue to look at. Now, it raises so many questions. Obviously, how does the Massachusetts Air National Guard have access to top secret documents. Also, what is a 21-year-old racist gun nut doing in the intelligence division of the armed forces? Also, um, is it common policy to entrust national secrets to someone who's not old enough to rent a car? And finally, what does Marjorie Taylor Greene think of all this? Because I need to know what my opinion is, so I go to her right away. Well, we'll get to Marge 
in just a second. Over in Ireland, Joe Biden talked about the leak this morning, telling reporters that they were getting close in their probe into the leak of who did it. He did not really elaborate on what he meant by that. Um, Biden just said, I'm concerned that it happened, but there's nothing contemporaneous that I'm aware of that's of great consequence. And according to Ukraine officials, Biden's right. Here's the kicker. Uh, According to AP, Ukraine's leaders say they don't see this U.S. intel leak on this Discord chat room as damaging to any future offenses. And the big reason is they've held back on sharing their most sensitive operational information because... Zelensky doubts D.C.'s ability to keep their secrets safe. It's kind of brilliant. The Ukrainian deputy defense minister said if military operations are planned, then only a very narrow circle of people know about the planning of the special operation. The risk of leaks is very minimal. Now, there's new leaks that just came out that weren't in the original 53-page set that came online last week, but that show broad infighting among Russian officials as well. The government feuding over the count of the dead, how many are wounded, and the domestic intelligence agency in Russia accusing the military of lying or hiding the scale of the casualties Russia has suffered, which also makes it weird. I mean, it's a shocking leak, but it's a leak that's seemingly damaging to Russia. The Washington Post interviewed members of the Discord server from where the documents were disseminated. Here, uh, an anonymous user offers a character assessment of Mr. Teixeira, or as he was called, to the rest of them, because he's so original, OG. OG was not hostile to the U.S. government. However, he had disagreed with several occasions, such as Waco and Ruby Ridge, and thought that the government is overreaching in several aspects. There was no heavy Snowden-like conspiracy here, like some people may believe. We'll get to Snowden in a second. Now, uh, uh, the Times talked to a few members of the Thug Shaker Central Group, and one said he'd known to share a for at least three years, had met him in person. They all said he was older than most of them. But most of these guys were in their teens. So keep that in mind. He was the leader of an online group of gamer bros in their teens. And he disseminated this information to teenagers in a chat room. And it sat there, presumably for months, until finally... Uh, It was found and the rest, well, it's been snowballing. So here, continuing on, uh, the Washington Post subject claims OG was upset that not enough of the dude bros in the group were focusing on his leaked intel. It would appear as if he sort of grew angry with the fact that only one or two people were paying attention to these documents that he was pouring his heart out into. And as a sign of just anger, he just decided to post the full documents he was a very smart man. There's no way in any world that he would not know that he knew that these were illegal. He was a very smart man, so he posted these illegal documents. I guess he thought he wouldn't get found. The Discord group member believes OG's actions are well short of heroism or whistleblowing. I would not call OG a whistleblower in the slightest. I don't think that there was a goal nor some sort of accomplishment that he was looking for in sharing these documents. Of course, there's some anti-government sentiment, but that's not unlike most right-wingers in the modern day and age. Right. So lots of questions here. And the biggest one is, of course, what does Marjorie Taylor Greene think about all this? Well, no surprise, the right wing has decided to adopt him as one of their own before they know any facts and weaponize him against the Democratic Party. Here is a member of the Homeland Security Committee, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the state of Georgia. She tweeted, Jake Teixeira is a white male Christian and anti-war. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Ask yourself, who is the real enemy? A young, low-level National Guardsman or the administration that is waging war in Ukraine? A non-NATO nation against nuclear Russia without war powers. Now, friends... I want to hear your thoughts, but I, I could be here all night just breaking down the lies in that one tweet. Um, my favorite part is she's going to the line to defend this guy, and she gets his name wrong. She calls him Jake. So, boy, well done, Marge. Um, here's the deal. Leaking U.S. secrets is a criminal offense. Whistleblowers know it. Uh, morons should know it. It doesn't matter if the leaker is Christian or he's anti-war or he's trying to keep his friends informed on what's going on. The argument that you can make is that he helped the Russians. He helped the Russians by disseminating information about Ukraine. He might have hurt the Russians, but he certainly wasn't trying 
to to help Ukraine by doing this or help the United States by doing this. I can't imagine why anyone in our military would want to help the Russians. Well, I guess I can, because it's just about authoritarianism. I mean, our media keeps saying, oh, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are being isolationist. No, they're not being isolationist. Here's the deal with the Ukraine war. And it's really ugly and it's really horrible. And I'd love it to stop. (laughs) But if you're just saying it's got to stop, Ukraine has to accept peace terms. Ukraine has to just give Putin some of the country, whatever you want to say. You've taken sides. If you're refusing to take sides, you're saying I'm on the side of the oppressor. You cannot be neutral about this. And we know the American Republican Party has been consistent. They choose authoritarianism over democracy. So when you hear the media call Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or anyone who wants, you know, us to not support Ukraine isolationists, they're not. They're taking sides. And they're taking the side of Vladimir Putin. Now, the racist memes. I think that's great, because if that's true, where does Marge get off calling him Christian? Right? <laughs> Again, this is a member of the U.S. Congress siding with an alleged criminal who allegedly released documents that hurt our national security. And then she went further and tweeted later, they couldn't find the Supreme Court leaker who put Supreme Court justices' lives in danger, but magically, they can find 21-year-old low-level National Guardsman responsible, in quotation marks, for exposing the truth about Ukraine. And the same people that want to take away your guns are waging war in a foreign country without permission from Congress. Think about that. I I almost want to break down the lies in this one. They couldn't find the Supreme Court leaker. Let me help you. It's Sam Alito. Put Supreme Court justice lives in danger. No one's lives were in danger. There was one guy outside Brett Kavanaugh's house and he called the cops on himself. That's that's not that's that's as you know, if Lee Harvey Oswald called the Dallas Police Department on himself before he went to Dealey Plaza. We can't really say he threatened JFK. Uh, magically, they find a low 21-year-old low-level National Guardsman responsible for exposing the truth. No, he's responsible for posting national secrets in his racist chat room. Uh, the same people who want to take away your guns. That's not a lie. Are waging war. That's a lie. We haven't waged war legally since 1941. You, you get the idea. Here's the main takeaway. Whatever this guy's reasons for doing it, and it looks like he did it to impress his dude bro friends. He was not a whistleblower. Not at all. Reality winner was a whistleblower trying to alert her country, whether you like what she did or not. Okay? This dude was trying to hurt his country. Reality winner went to prison for five years for trying to warn us about Russian interference in our election. She got five years in jail behind bars for disclosing one document. She was arrested immediately. She mailed one classified document to a news outlet that proved there was intent That was a slam dunk case. Five years under the Espionage Act for unlawful retention and transmission of a classified document. Jack Teixeira was arrested today for the same exact thing. Why hasn't Donald Trump been arrested yet, Merrick Garland? Five years for reality winner. Jack Teixeira arrested as well. Immediate takedowns by law enforcement when it came to classified documents. But Donald Trump stealing them, lying that he had returned them, moving them around, hiding them. Free pass. You know, benefit of the doubt. This guy, uh, Jack Teixeira, uh, is a traitor. He violated his oath to protect and defend the Constitution. Okay? From all enemies, foreign and domestic. He should be prosecuted. If he did it, he should be in prison. Uniform code of military justice, yada, yada, yada. But but what? here's the big thing. The Discord leaks are not the same as Reality Winner or Ed Snowden or Chelsea Manning or the Pentagon Papers and Daniel Ellsberg. It's more Gamergate than that. Reality winner was an Air Force member, an NSA translator. In 2018, she got the longest prison sentence ever imposed for unauthorized release of government information to the media for one document about Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. elections. Five years and three months for telling the truth, warning us that Russia interfered, but a racist reality show slob in the White House. Whistleblower. She knew the risk. She went to jail, did her time. Chelsea Manning. Former U.S. Army soldier convicted by court-martial in July 10 years ago for violating the Espionage Act and other offenses because she disclosed to WikiLeaks 750,000 classified or unclassified but sensitive military and or diplomatic documents. Chelsea Manning knew the risks. Did it. Whistleblower to warn people. Went to jail. Regardless of what you think of Ed Snowden and his politics and his motivation and his connections to Russia... Former computer intelligence consultant leaked highly classified information from the NSA 
Ten years ago, he was an employee and a subcontractor. He revealed numerous global surveillance programs, many run by the NSA, the Five Eyes Intel Alliance, telecom companies helping, European governments helping. He saw himself as a whistleblower. Again, whether you agree with what he did or not, he thought he was doing it for a cause. And the U.S. government considered him to be a traitor in violation of the Espionage Act, just like Chelsea Manning, just like reality winner. Daniel Ellsberg knew that the Vietnam War was unwinnable. He knew it was immoral. So he and Anthony Russo secretly copied the 7,000-page report of the Pentagon Papers, which detailed how the military, pretty much a sort of timeline of everything that happened in the Vietnam War, how they were losing, how they knew they were losing, how they there was no path to winning, and how they were going to keep on marching more men to their deaths. And they sent it, and after articles about the papers were published, Daniel Ellsberg himself surrendered to the authorities June of 1971. That's not the same as a racist right-wing shithead who did it to impress a bunch of zit-faced douchebags in a video game chat. This guy released hundreds of classified docs because he wanted a bunch of teenage goobers to think he was cool. It's great that Marjorie Taylor Greene could find a hero worthy of her level. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. You know, Donald Trump's in New York today. Did you know this? <laughs> Didn't make as much noise as last week, did it? Interesting that. But Donald Trump is back in New York City. This time, you've got to go to your, you know, conversion chart and see, oh, which Donald Trump crime is he in New York City for? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. This is for New York Attorney General Tish James's investigation into the Trump organization. As his motorcade sped through the city, a crowd was giving him a welcome back. Give a quick listen. go uh, but i'm confused I, he was telling me that uh, on tucker he was telling tucker that, that that the cops were crying when he was indicted because they love him so much i need to make more sense of this please people of earth welcome the professor with the phd in politics from princeton and the law degree from stanford the man who enriches student lives on the poli sci department at brown the author of the essential book the oath and the office a guide to the constitution for future presidents consistently the smartest mofo in the room it's time for barely legal with professor cory Brechneider. It's not really called uh, thanks, that, John. I like to pretend that. I'm hi, so Corey. Glad you've, hi, John, and thanks for officially naming our series our, our weekly segment, <laughs> that thing that I beg you not to, uh, it's, to name it, it every time. It's we only speak. named that in my heart, Professor. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> we have so much to cover, but I, I'd love to start just talking a little bit more about Trump's indictment, because um, you've been doing a lot of due diligence on this for the past week since we last spoke, and... I understand there's multiple routes that this little humble Alvin Bragg, first one out of the gate, the little prosecution that could, this really could lead to conviction, couldn't it? This this could do it. Yeah, I really, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate about was this wise? Is this something that's going to be pulled off by the Manhattan DA? And the more I look at it, the more I'm convinced that the, the argument that there, there's no there there, there's no case here, uh, that it's just wrong. And in particular, you know, some of this, too, is reporting that's coming out. Um, the Daily had a good uh, deep dive into this as well. 
but also looking at the statement of facts, you see that, you know, he's been criticized for not telling us what the second crime is. And by the second crime, I mean, he's being charged with what would be a misdemeanor, uh, and that's falsification of business records. But if Bragg can show, as he's trying to, that it was in the service of a second felony, then this is a felony as well that has serious jail time, prison time that would come with it. So now the big mystery is, and what Bragg is being criticized for is, uh, you know, what is that second crime? And he didn't tell us. <laughs> so at the press conference, he was asked and he said he didn't have to. And there might be a strategy for that, which is that he, I think he's going to present to the jury multiple routes of getting to that second crime. One is that they were trying to avoid uh, campaign finance limits. But mm-hmm. another is a simple thing that I didn't think about last time. We spoke, and that's that it's a, a felony in New York State to lie to tax authorities, and they certainly did do that. Uh, and it's a felony to lie to uh, federal authorities. So that could be the second felony that they were, um, you know, in the in the service of trying to keep the truth out of the hands of tax authorities. They were um, lying about these records. So the point is, last time we were trying to figure out what's the second crime. And I think my big realization is it might be all of the above. And as I talk to criminal lawyers and and people in that field, there is no bar on uh, presenting multiple theories to the jury. So he might say all of the above, in other words, rather than here's a specific second crime that that Trump was falsifying the records in order to, to further. Or I should say, too, not just further the crime and other possibilities, just trying to keep from from disclosing, uh, try to hide the fact that he did commit one of these right. crimes. Well, but that's what it's all about, right? And we discussed last week the novelty of this, that in many of these cases, um, D.A. Bragg is going to be prosecuting Trump, not prosecuting Trump for covering up crimes, but not for the actual crimes, which is right. what, the part that fascinates me about this. But I, I have right. to ask you, Professor, you know, were you surprised to see that uh, D.A. Bragg filed a 50-page lawsuit against House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan. Uh, that was not on my bingo card. And honestly, I'm, I'm really not used to seeing Democrats fight back. But the suit says the D.A.'s office has received more than a thousand calls and emails from Trump supporters, many of which are threatening and racially charged. And it really seems like this is part of Bragg's resistance to the Republican efforts to call him to testify or to call anybody who's worked on the investigation in the past to come testify. Because these guys like avoiding their own subpoenas, but now they're sending them out to Bragg's former co-workers. Yeah, I mean, the way I would defend the lawsuit is to say, and, and my understanding of it is, you know, it's Congress has a right to investigate. It has a right to subpoena. So if it was just a normal investigation, normal um, uh, legal inquiries into, into, into really, you know, anything legitimate, that's one thing. But that's not what's going on here, and I think that's what you're hearing from this office. They're using these hearings in order to basically stymie a legitimate prosecution, and and you can't do that. You can't use the tools of government in order to do something illegal, in order to to stop due process. And, uh, you know, that's why I think there's something here, that that it isn't the case that if you're a member of Congress, uh, if you're uh, even Jim that you can uh, use your power as a government official to do something illegal. There's a speech and debate clause, for instance, on the floor of the House and the Senate. It protects all sorts of things said. You know, you have a, a vast array of free speech for good reason. You can't threaten somebody. <laughs> that would still be a criminal <laughs> offense. And the same is true here for the uh, this this fake investigation, which is really an attempt to yeah, threaten the Manhattan yeah. DA and, and that. That's office. it. I mean, they're they're introducing a bill that will bar any local of local or city or state official from ever prosecuting an ex-president. I mean, the Republicans are really going forward with this kind of king nonsense. But I, I want to yeah. shift it a bit because there's a lot of ground I want to cover this evening, Professor, and move quickly to the Mifeprestone controversy. Um, where are we at right now with this? It looks increasingly like, like this case is going to go to the Supreme Court. We've discussed a lot in the past how this right-wing group went judge shopping all over Texas until they found a right-to-life activist in Amarillo that Donald Trump turned into a judge who went ahead and said, oh, I can overrule the FDA. This is not allowed to be on the market anymore. There's already been a stay on that. 
Corey, I'm all for the Republican Party making themselves more unpopular over this issue. <laughs> but what? how do you see this playing out? I mean, are we potentially on the road to a, a true national ban on abortion? This is the most common way of terminating pregnancies, and they are really trying to take this away from everyone. Yeah, there's, um, you know, a number of ridiculous arguments in this uh, district court judge's opinion. One is to claim that somehow the process years ago of certifying this drug wasn't done properly. I think that's just ridiculous, and I don't see the Supreme Court relying on that. Uh, my worry is not, I, 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 I do not see them upholding this judge's um, order. I should say that. I don't think this is how we'll get a national ban on abortion. But here's my worry. Uh, that judge, in his opinion, cited lots of um, what uh, uh, lawyers called dicta, things that are not central to the case, but are, you know, kind of tangential comments that are in Dobbs about the status of the fetus, the history of that status, being right. essentially a constitutional person. So my view is, and it has been for a long time, and this isn't just a surmise, it's, uh, you know, as you'll remember, I read Justice Gorsuch's dissertation, his first book, that's and right. as I read them, even though they're mostly about the question of the right to die, they really are a sort of subtle argument for why there is a national right of the fetus uh, to life. And the argument that he makes in that book is, or he says, if, that this is a possibility, but uh, I believe he's really tempted by it, that if the fetus is a constitutional person, every state has laws against murder. And so they'd have to be extended protect the fetus. That means a national ban, uh, national right of the fetus to life and a national ban on abortion wherever you are. They're not going to use this case to say that, but Mm. I believe that some of the justices are going to use the opportunity to start to get that language into uh, the docket and to do more. They already did that in Dobbs, and I think they're going to do more of it. I find this fascinating, Corey, because, you know, Samuel Alito, um, who uh, leaked the Dobbs decision, right? Uh, he did that. Can we say that? We can't say that yet, can we? We're not allowed <laughs> to say it. That's my but bad. If I had to he die, wrote yeah. the Dobbs. He wrote the opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. But, and when he did it, you might remember he quoted the ancient judge who believed that women were witches. That's that's who this hero <laughs> quoted to do this. Um, but I've been researching some of his previous rulings. And back in 2009, there was a case called Wyeth versus Levine. <laughs> where uh, they took the side of the FDA. Robert Scalia, Alito, all said the FDA has the benefit of the long view. And in 2020, there was a case in Maryland where Alito himself expressed incredulity that a district court judge in Maryland took it upon himself to overrule the FDA on the question of drug safety. So (laughs) Alito's on the record saying the FDA has the benefit of the doubt in cases like this, and you can't overrule them. It's going to be very interesting seeing how Alito finds a way to double-talk his way to doing whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, this is not a smart judge, is how I'd put it. It's a judge that <laughs> wants to get to the result that I... I'm not talking about Alito now. I'm talking about this this uh, district court judge that... Uh, okay, yes. That, well, uh, you're very right about that. Yeah. Well, I'll get to Alito in a second. I think he's slightly smarter. The, um, but the judge, you know, saw this opportunity basically to, you know, take a huge step forward in a national ban on abortion and just took it without thinking about the law, the justices aren't going to do that. There are nine of them. They're accountable to their colleagues. They have a past record, including the case that you mentioned. So I I don't see them doing that. But, you know, if you're them and you are devoted to the same goal that this local activist judge is devoted to, a national ban on abortion, how do you get there? And we've already seen it with, I mentioned Gorsuch now, we'll talk about Alito. In Dobbs, there is a long, long discussion about the status of the fetus, uh, you know, going back to early American history and before, and the fetus as a constitutional person. That's not just a history lesson. That's him laying the groundwork for making this argument that Gorsuch has also made in his his writing. I should say about Gorsuch, too, just to show you, I'm not just reading tea leaves. Gorsuch, to my mind, is the only Supreme Court justice with a Ph.D., um, in in philosophy, DPhil mm. from Oxford, uh, and he devoted himself to studying with a mentor, John Finnis, who has this is one of his main things that he's argued that there is a national right of the fetus to to life to not be 
um, to, to not be killed and right. as a, a constitutional person. And then he has in his dissertation a long discussion of this. This is a long-held, devoted uh, commitment. And now we see Alito. I have to believe Thomas would go along with that. Now we have three justices, <laughs> I'm pretty convinced, have this on their agenda. And uh, how long it will take them, what the route is, I'm not sure. But let's look when we see their opinion in this case about the abortion pill, uh, not just at what the ruling is, but what they see, say, in, in this sort of margins. That's, that's where we're really going to learn something. Absolutely. I, I do agree. Can we shift now to our favorite Supreme Court justice, Corey? Um, <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about. Uh, somebody oh who gets God. free vacations from a right-wing billionaire <laughs> who collects Nazi memorabilia. Vacations <laughs> worth three times his annual salary, and he never reported any of it while ruling on cases this billionaire had funded that appeared before his bench, Clarence Thomas. Yeah. His voting record shows he voted in favor of every bill, every bill that Harlan Crow put before him. And, you know, you wanted to talk about this story last week. It only keeps getting bigger. We now know that he didn't just lavish free luxury trips on Clarence Thomas. Um, he reportedly took a single story home and uh, two vacant lots in Georgia off Clarence Thomas's hands nine years ago, bought land from him. <laughs> which Thomas never disclosed. We don't even know if this is the kind of Donald Trump purchase where a lot of money changed hands for lot for land that isn't worth that much. But I mean, yeah. he, he literally bought the house that Clarence Thomas's mother lives in and has been renovating it. Yeah. I, I, and Clarence Thomas didn't think Amazing. he needed to report any of this. And he's ruling on cases. This man funds to go before his court. Yeah. And our discussion, I think, really takes a turn here because last week I was talking about the lack of ethics oversight and the abuse of that weird fact about the Supreme Court that is not subject to the same ethics rules that lower courts are. But here, my understanding is there's federal law mandating the disclosure of exactly this kind of deal. There are some exceptions, like when you're selling your personal house. That's not what he was doing here. This was a, a, not where, where he was living. Uh, as you said, there are several properties. I think one of the most damning facts is, too, that, that in his own defense, it's billionaire says that he was buying the land and the house to create a museum <laughs> to Clarence, Clarence Thomas, Thomas museum even more of a gift than uh you know than just buying than just the, the finance it's financial transaction I mean John imagine if I said to you I'm going to give you $120,000 and I want to use additional money to what I buy from you the land I buy from you I want to put a museum you know dedicated <laughs> the history of tell me everything i think that would be a nice additional perk that you might consider you know in, wow in, in the yeah future, i'll, I'll rule on all your cases me. yeah <laughs> i mean look, the corruption is right there we all know it's there it's been there for a long time this guy's been corrupt his whole career he should have recused himself from a hundred cases over his wife i mean Corey, i think maybe he's doing this because he wants to go to jail to get away from Ginny. i don't know all options on the table but <laughs> Is there anything that we, the people or Congress could ever do to somehow compel more accountability or at least transparency from the Supreme Court? I mean, it, I mean, it seems inconceivable that Congress could ever remove a Supreme Court justice via impeachment. The only way I know of. But is there are there any means of oversight other than, you know, John Roberts writing a stern email to them? Well, here the, it's a criminal violation. He doesn't have immunity. Uh, for doing this. And if that's true, and that's what ProPublica and some of the other reporting is suggesting, that, that this is different, that financial a real estate transaction over $1,000 when it's not your own home is criminal, uh, then no, we're not talking about impeachment or ethics or rebukes from the chief. We're talking about a prosecution. Now, uh, you know, that's going to be up to Garland's Justice Department, and as in the yeah. Trump case, they might think, oh my gosh, this is too political. And Come on, have some back backbone. I mean, we haven't seen it yet in the Trump case. Hopefully we will. But this looks like a flagrant violation of the criminal law. And there needs to be not impeachment, not, um, you know, nice ethics discussion. <laughs> it has to be a, a criminal case if we broke the law. Right. So 
I mean, mean, only one justice, as to my understanding, only one justice has ever been impeached like 200 years ago. Now, Chris Van Hollen, uh, a senator in Maryland, he's the chairman of the Appropriations Subcommittee that oversees the Supreme Court budget. And he is trying to use the spending bill to force the justices to follow an ethics code they can enforce. Van Hollen is actually trying to condition the purse strings to the creation of an ethics code Mm. for the justices. But of course... It'll never happen because you'd have to have Republicans to go along yeah. with it. And they won't. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine yeah, if they, if Sonia Sotomayor had taken hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts right. from George Soros? I kind of right. think there'd be outrage about it in this culture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I do want to say um, that Samuel Chase, who was impeached and didn't was impeached in the House, they didn't have the votes in the Senate, but he was certainly chastised. And then in the 20th century, Abe Fortas uh, was threatened with impeachment for financial, alleged financial crimes that frankly weren't anywhere close to this blatant. Uh, And what happened is the um, Chief Justice convinced him to step down uh, Mm. to, um, uh, and you know, so that's a model here. And that's on John Roberts, I think, in if he's sensible, the Supreme Court's reputation is just rightly uh, going down the tubes. And he's got to see that. He's got to see that, you know, having a criminal on the court, uh, now two uh, alleged criminals, if you can, Kavanaugh, um, you know, is just not going to fly. And uh, not only was there, of course, the original controversy about him sexually harassing Anita Hill, which I believe mm-hmm. to be totally How wholesome incredible. that seems now. now. Yeah. Now he's caught, you know, really breaking the law. And he's got no business being there. They've got to to put the pressure on him to step down. Corey, you are the smartest kid in class consistently. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you, Professor, and keep up with all your doings? Uh, You could read my stuff at CoreyBrettschneider.com and buy a copy for your friends of The Oath in the Office. The Oath in the Office. About what a president should do. Uh, Corey, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I always feel smarter after your visits. we got to hit a break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We are back. The number is 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. We are always blessed whenever Dr. Jason Nichols agrees to lower himself to our standards and join us on the show. He's an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland College Park. Now, you may have read or seen Dr. Nichols in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, Fox News, NBC News, The Hill, and maybe even this week on The Hill TV. But you may have also seen him everywhere from Newsmax to MSNBC. Dr. Jason Nichols, what a pleasure to see you. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be be here. Well, let's begin by saying you're on camera this week. Tell everybody how we can see you at work. Yeah, well, I'm going to be on uh, The Hill Rising uh, tomorrow, so that should be fun. You know, it's an interesting audience, so it'll be nice to get a couple of, you know, progressive or I don't even know. I don't even like the term progressive anymore. I don't even know what that means anymore, but... Yeah, uh, anti-evil, Jason. Anti-evil. That's good enough. That's all you need. Yeah, anti-evil. <laughs> yeah. Get some of us anti-evil in there, people in there. I'd love to hear your comments um, and get your hopefully get your support, you know, so definitely. When, when can we see it? When does it go up? Uh, it goes up tomorrow, like tomorrow, you know, early afternoon. You should Great. have everything should be up there. I will be sharing it on my uh, on my Twitter and uh, and get a lot of people to come and and uh, and cheer you on in the comment section because I know what those comment sections can be like. But I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I've seen you on TV many times. You're really, really good 
at talking to our right-wing brothers and sisters in a way that forces them to recognize the logic and morality of your case without putting them on the defensive. Unlike me, you don't make a lot of snarky jokes that makes them hate you out of the gate. You're actually very <laughs> civilized and adult in these things. Well, they still find a way to hate me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also a contributor over at Newsmax. So, oh, know. I know. Yeah, I'm. They won't even have me on over there. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll change that. We're going to change that very soon. I don't Stay know. I think I, I, if I walk in there, b- both myself and the studio catch on fire. It's a spiritual thing. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm thrilled. I'll definitely watch tomorrow. I love watching you on camera, and it's, and it's good to see you here. Uh, and I, and I, I have to ask you about this because this new bill in California. Um, is something called uh, Senate Bill 673 that would create something called an ebony alert. Um, now, we've heard of amber alerts and we've heard of silver alerts, but um, I got to say, from what I've heard so far, the ebony alert is a very, very moving and inspiring system they're trying to do. Can you tell us a bit what this means? Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's very similar to the amber alert. Um, we know the amber alert is really effective. Uh, they've uh, recovered, I think, um, over 1,100 people. I think it's uh, 1,127 people have been recovered through the Amber Alert and counted. Wow. And uh, in California, has been especially uh, effective. They've they've recovered, I believe, 97 percent of the of the people that have gone out on an Amber Alert. Um, however, when you look at the statistics, 54 percent of the people that go missing are white people Mm -hmm. but you got to remember that white people are 76 percent of the population so that's right they're they're a little over they're a little underrepresented amongst people who go missing black people are about 13 to 14 percent of the population but make up to 37 uh, 38 percent of the people that go missing yeah so and a lot of times they don't get recovered and by the way, black women and girls are 40% of sex trafficking victims. And you you and I are old enough to remember when people used to call sex trafficking and human trafficking white slavery. Yeah. Not recognizing that you know a large portion of the people that are trafficked are uh are black and yeah. are black or girls. indigenous or indigenous. Or indigenous, absolutely. We we all know the names. So we know names like Jean Benet Ramsey, who, by the way, would probably be in her 30s right now. I think so. Uh, but her name is still <laughs> spoken all the time. God rest her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Chandra Levy's, the Natalie Holloway's, the Elizabeth yeah. Smart's. Those are yeah. household names. Amanda Berry. Uh, th- those become household names. And of course, most recently, Gabby Petito. Uh, but you don't know Relisha Rudd, you know? They don't know Felicia Barnes. They don't know these black girls and women who go missing. And as a matter of fact, the problem is that a lot of black women and girls get listed as runaways. Yes. So there's not a lot of institutional response. You don't get an Amber Alert. You don't get every, the police seem to dismiss it oftentimes and say, oh, well, she'll turn up. She'll come back. She's probably got a boyfriend. She's probably... You know, she's right. probably and doesn't want to tell you all these kinds of things where they get dismissed. So uh, a lot of the uh, people, in, in particular, one state senator, I believe his name is Stephen Bradford, in yes. um, in California, basically said, "No, we, you know, we need for our Ebony's to get the same attention that Amber's get." You know, and, and yeah. so uh, he came up with this system and there are certain qualifications that it requires you have to be generally between the ages of 12 and 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be potentially in danger uh, and a few other uh, characteristics that that your case has to have but right. too many black girls and of course indigenous girls because when Gabby Petito went missing I believe in Wyoming yeah. there were 400 actively missing indigenous girls and they never got any attention now i will say this gabby petito was was also a a TikTok star so that that helped her out a little bit but we know as as uh, gwen eiffel and my colleague uh uh who's actually a good friend of mine and and mentor sherry parks coined the phrase uh missing white women syndrome you don't hear about the black 
and, and brown and um, and indigenous girls who go missing. You just right. don't, they're not household names. Like I can rattle off a ton of names that we all know, uh, you know, Gabby Petito being the most recent. And I remember seeing yeah. a study once that said Natalie Holloway, her disappearance was covered in 2005. It was the most covered story. You know what else happened in 2005? What? Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, so I remember. her her disappearance was covered more than Hurricane Katrina, you know. So, uh, I, you know, with in, in, that, fair, in fairness, she was blonde. Okay, let's just put, she was right. blonde. So that that you know, she gets points for that. But yeah, you're oh, exactly right. That helps. That helps a lot of them. Elizabeth Smart was blonde. I know. Uh, John A. Ramsey was blonde. But you, you know, know you, you mentioned you know was blonde. You you mentioned Stephen Bradford, who introduced this this new measure, um, and he said it would help get rid of uh, the inherent racial bias whenever someone is a missing person of color. I want to quote him from uh, from the article in the Root: When someone who is missing is incorrectly listed as a runaway, they basically vanish a second time. They vanish from the police detective's workload. They vanish from the headlines. In many ways, no one even knows they are missing. How can we find someone and bring them home safely when no one is looking for them? Exactly. I I had no idea that last year, 546,000 people were reported missing all over the country. Half a million people just went missing last year. And 36% are are black women and young people. I just... I, I, the, the numbers are mind-blowing to imagine that. And, and you want to know show. something else? Everyone must know someone. Yeah, and you want to know someone, something else that, that really grabbed me was uh, the, the CBC put out a report, and they cited the Urban Institute, which did a survey of actual traffickers. And what they found was the traffickers said that they targeted black women and girls because they thought they would be caught, they would if they were caught, they would get a lesser sentence than if they were caught with white girls. They thought the mm. punishment would be less if they were caught with black girls. So you wonder why, for all of you listening, you wonder why black people want to say Black Lives Matter. You want to because literally the traffickers are telling you, yeah, we know society doesn't value That's black it. women and girls the same way that they value white girls. So we we'll take them, you know, it's true. And, and so this is, this is why people have to assert that it's not to say that other people don't matter and all that kind of stuff. And I, I know there's all this controversy about what people did with what dollars or whatever, but the truth is in the statement is it's trying to, to make people acknowledge that Hey, we have value too. We want to be valued That's the it. same way. You know, I mean, it, but I, I always say, Doctor, that you know, if we as a culture truly believed that Black Lives Matter, we wouldn't need a Black Lives Matter movement. It's like exactly. the people who are angry about this—they're not angry that we need a Black Lives Matter movement. They're angry that people are asking for one, and that's the great sin of it all. Absolutely, it's it's a it's a tragedy. I mean, it breaks my heart. You know, one of the things. I mean, this this is kind of unrelated to the Amber, or excuse me, the Ebony alert, but, you know, I remember reading it, and one of the few times that I've literally broken down on tears from reading something was, and I get emotional even thinking about it as a father, I remember reading about adoption, and, it, and it's something that I've considered several times. Um, and one of the things that's a fact about adoption is it's cheaper to adopt black children. Always, yeah. So if a child has two black parents, they, they are significant. When I was looking at the numbers, they are significantly cheaper. Literally, black lives have fewer, have lesser value, like in dollars, yeah. Yeah. you know, to adopt yeah. a black child is, I mean, it's, it's almost like they're, they're like, hey, we'll give you a discount. Take this kid. It's just institutionalized. It's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, that, that just hurt my heart to know that my babies are not looked at and not valued and not wanted by society the same way someone else's children are. My neighbors, who they're, you know, who they, my kids play with and all of that. Oh, no, no, no. But it's okay, Jason, because all of these anti-abortion activists are willing to adopt them all. Didn't you, didn't you hear that? <laughs> right. they're, they're so willing to give them all homes. So they're going to force poor women with greater poverty to bear children they can't afford, but they'll be adopting all of them. So it's going to be okay. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I, you know, and, and I can't wait for them to adopt the 500,000 kids that are in foster care right now Boom. who are looking for homes, who will Preach. overwhelmingly end up homeless if they don't get adopted, if they stay in the system. It's, it's a fact that a lot of those children who, once they age out of the foster system, either end up in the criminal justice system or they end up homeless. But yet, you know, now all of a sudden they're like, we'll adopt your baby. Yeah, but we won't adopt that seven-year-old that Boom, needs that's a home. It. Jason, we're, we're out of time. Before I go, how do we listen to your podcast? Uh, definitely check out uh, the podcast, The Working Class Elites, anywhere podcasts are found. You can just Google it, The Working Class Elites, and um, definitely check that out. Follow me on social media. I try to be funny, but I'm not John Fugel. Yes, you are. Stop it. I give, it, I give watch it my best I'll watch you on the Hill TV tomorrow as well. Thank you so much, Doctor. Have a great evening. Thanks for staying up late. Thank you, my brother. We will be right back with your calls for an hour. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ron DeSantis has signed the six-week abortion ban with no TV cameras in the room. He announced it after 11 p.m. on a weeknight. He's terrified because he knows how unpopular this will be with the majority of Americans. And tomorrow, he's off to New Hampshire. Any questions? This is SiriusXM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. It's time once again for our amazing producer, Thea Harper, with another installment of The Minority Report. Thea, welcome back. How are you? Hey, John. How are you? You know, I'm good. Everyone's just mad that you only do this segment once a week. This is getting this is getting more and more popular, and I thank you is, very much. Is everyone Guys, we, mad, or is it we just you? Beg her. We beg her. We beg her to come on the air more. You don't even know how hard it is to just coerce this woman and 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 pressure her. A lot of peer pressure going on in our studio, but no, you always bring in great stories. And how are you? Did you enjoy today's weather? It was middle of August today in April. I did enjoy today's weather. It was really nice. Um, but this weekend, it's not going to be as nice. So I'm not looking forward to that. What's happening this weekend? <laughs> well, the weather is not as... <laughs> the weather is... raining? Is it cold? It's is it raining. To... Uh, I think maybe in the 50s, which is not bad, but the rain, yeah. No. I hear you. Well, I'm glad you're with us. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about the newest edition of the Minority Report. What is tonight's story? So, yeah, um, tonight's story is on Shanquilla Robinson. And uh, so it was just announced yesterday that federal authorities in North Carolina would not pursue federal charges in the death of Shanquilla Robinson. And for those of you who are not familiar with the story, um, Shanquilla, uh, she went on a trip to Mexico last October with six friends, or I should say, she went with people that she thought were her friends. Exactly. Um, and a day later, she was found dead in the rental property where they were staying. And um, her friends pretty much informed her mother that she died of alcohol poisoning, but her death certificate recorded that the cause was a spinal cord and neck injury. Unreal. Then, yeah. And Pretty much then from there uh, became a huge push for uh, Shaquilla's death to be investigated because a video surfaced of her being brutally beaten um, mm -hmm. by one of the individuals she was on vacation with. Unreal. So like they literally have the guy, they they have the video, 
they have her traveling companions lying to the family about the cause of death. And mm-hmm. yet, and yet, God bless North Carolina, they are not going to pursue charges in her death. Yeah. Um, so pretty much they said that after um, a lengthy investigation um, that they concluded federal charges cannot be pr- pursued. They went on to say, um, as in every case under consideration for federal prosecution, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a federal crime was committed. Um Based on the results of the autopsy and after a careful deliberation and review of the investi- of the investigative materials by both U.S. attorney offices, uh, federal pro- prosecutors informed Ms. Robinson's family today that the available evidence does not support a federal prosecution. Oh, I mean, um, you, you've got this young woman who, who, you know, died like the first day she was out of town. Her body was covered in bruises and cuts. And the... The autopsy performed in Mexico said that, yeah, she was she was killed. It was violent. But then my understanding is the the American autopsy was done after she'd already been embalmed. And so now they're saying not that not that they don't know who did it. They're just saying that the Middle District has concluded federal charges cannot be pursued. I mean, poor parents. Right. And really, you know, I think the truth is that, you know, the investigation led to no federal prosecution because of the lack of urgency in responding to this crime. Um, When the video surfaced, there was no immediate action taken. There weren't any immediate statements taken from the individuals involved, which could have been crucial um, to the investigation. And you are completely right about the autopsy. Um, The second autopsy done in the U.S. was after the body was embalmed. And in the the autopsy in Mexico said that Shintilla's body had bruises, cuts with knots present on her face, and they label her death as violent. So if the U.S. Oh. had an immediate autopsy, they would have had the evidence to support the prosecution. I mean, they said based on the results of the autopsy, and again, the original autopsy was listed as severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation. But after a review of the investigative materials by both U.S. attorney's offices, federal prosecutors inform Ms. Robinson's family today the available evidence does not support a federal and, prosecution. Just and you and you said something, um, you know, uh, what you uh, what what they stated. They said ex- they extensively reviewed the available evidence. And, what does that mean? And to me, like that, the key word is available because the evidence that was available to the U.S. authorities wasn't much because they waited. They did not see the urgency to pursue this, to prioritize this, and say, so, you know, you know, she was a U.S. citizen that was murdered in another country, and we need answers. But you know, since she is a black woman, all we heard about about in regards to this case were delays and more delays. I mean, there's so much that's weird about this, right? Like first Mm -hmm. she was found dead in the living room of this vacation rental where she and her friends were staying and her friends just returned home. Her, Her father told the times that he didn't understand why they were allowed to leave Mexico. And then in this video, like this person can be seen throwing her in the ground and kicking her and punching her all over her body. And you hear a man off camera say, Kella, can you at least fight back? And then, as you mentioned, the death certificate. And then according to the police report, her friends called a doctor, but didn't want her to be taken to a hospital for treatment. And they just told the doctor that she had drunk a lot of alcohol. We already know that's a lie. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's mind boggling that these folks return here and uh, and that justice has said nothing we can do. I mean, I guess this is what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. I mean, I... (laughs) You know, I really think that the U.S. authorities really dropped the ball when it comes uh, when it came to this federal investigation. Um, But what I can say is that the Mexican authorities did attempt to take action. Um, It's really important to mention that Mexico did request to extradite the suspects and there was a warrant for their arrest. There was, but nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Mexican prosecutors said they were they were trying to have an extradition request, but they couldn't do it. And so now these, you know, as as, uh, her mother just said, the people who knew what happened to my daughter are living their lives. They have returned to work and my family is left to wait and wait and beg for answers. Yeah. And unreal. 
Something else that uh, was reported today uh, that was circulating today was that um, they were saying that the autopsy conducted um, in Charlotte found that Shanquilla's spine was actually intact, which contradicts claims of the autopsy that was done in Mexico. So, but it's almost like saying because of this discrepancy, there aren't there there couldn't have been any charges uh, brought up. But you know, what about the brain injury she suffered from being brutally beaten? Exactly. The video was was the evidence that she did not die of alcohol poisoning, like exactly. her family was led to believe. They lied to the doctors. They lied to the cops. It's 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 mind boggling. Her attorney, uh, Sue Ann Robinson, man, she was on fire. She said. Black and brown people always have to carve their own path to justice. The U.S. authorities have to understand and know that even if we're them, it's not about Shanquella. The U.S. citizens cannot go to Mexico, commit a crime that we all saw in a video, and then come back to America and say, we're on base, we're safe, we're not going to be charged with a crime. That cannot be the message that U.S. authorities want to send. Man, she's smart. That is such the right case to make. She's 100% right. But... I mean, in the case of a black woman, I, you know, I just, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think that I really didn't, I really think that they didn't, you know, prioritize this case. Clearly. It was not high priority to them at all. And, um, and then even weeks, um, weeks leading up to this, the, um, her team sent out a letter the Robinson legal team urged the U.S. government in a letter to intervene in the case and expedite the, the prosecution process. And that's because the attorneys realized that if the U.S. didn't take immediate action, this would happen where we are right now with federal authorities saying that they will not pursue charges. Yeah. I mean, my God, thank God they've got Ben Crump as a lawyer as well. I mean, I know the officials have said that if any new evidence comes to light then they will reopen the investigation. And yeah. I really hope that makes the news because someone out there knows something. You know it. The, uh, there's people out there who know information, who might have more video. There's people out yeah. there who can make something happen here if they want it to. Definitely. I mean, there's no statute of limitations on this. And also, they could still pursue a wrongful death, uh, death lawsuit. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, she died of just direct aggression. It's on tape. And they still are telling these poor parents there's nothing they can do. Crazy. Thea, thank you very much. Um, please, please, let's let's keep on this story as well if there's any developments. And and they've said, you know, they've said in any case, the government is prepared to review and examine new information should it become available. That's all they gave those parents. Just, and it's on tape. I don't understand this at all. Miss Harper, you are the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank John. For making our, thank you for making our show so much better. <laughs> <laughs> 